So, um, this weekend, uh, we're beginning this new series you heard a little bit about already called uh, Keeping a House or Building a Christian Home. Uh, some of you know, Sarah and I did not grow up in the Chicagoland area like Pastor Randy and Angie. Uh, we actually grew up in Michigan. Uh, and uh, for Sarah and I, we grew up actually in very small towns. Like my hometown was not even a four-way stop. Like there's a blinking red light. And so if you blink, you might actually miss the little town of Dansville, right? So, uh, and we lived two miles outside of that. And so we were the second last house before just like endless forest, which was great as a kid because we could go exploring. There was a lot of glacial remnants there. So there's big piles of rock and big sandy uh, stretches of hills and deep uh, little pits where there was water. It was a lot of fun as a kid. But when we got called to St. Peter 15 years ago and moved into suburban Chicago, one of the things that really just blew us away is how many humans are in one place, right? <laughs> just we weren't ready for that. We didn't know uh, what to expect. And what we also observed is there are houses everywhere and we're pretty packed in close to each other. Now we've learned to love it. Uh, we love our neighborhood. We love the community. We love the opportunity to drive between church and home and we get to pass uh, a Trader Joe's and an Aldi and a Binnie's and so we got all of our bases covered. Like it's a pretty <laughs> awesome thing. Okay. Um, and so uh, what we've observed though is uh, a lot of the houses in this community are getting freshened up, updated, sometimes torn down and rebuilt. And uh, it just so happens, kind of coinciding with this series, uh, the scheduling just worked out, that actually Sarah and I are starting into a, a home project that we've been dreaming about for a long time. And so uh, these are some house plans uh, that we're working on right now. We're putting an addition off the back. We're doing all the windows, siding doors, a front porch off the front. And we have a, a theme for it and a logo. You can see there, the brightest house on the block. That's our family mission and vision. We want to bring the light and the love of Jesus to the people who are closest to us, some of whom uh, don't have a relationship with Jesus and may never, ever go to church. And so what we figure is by bringing the presence of Jesus to them, that may be the best chance they'll get to know Jesus. And so uh, our friend Keith Raimundi uh, helped design this for us. He's our communications guy. And actually, we made t-shirts. Take a look at this, right? So brightest house on the block t-shirts. And anyone who comes and volunteers and helps us with our house project gets a t-shirt, right? <laughs> so if you want, these are trending now, I think. But um, uh, they're super cool. Uh, but again, the whole idea uh, is uh, to, to uh, expand our house, to update it in the way we want. Uh, so that it is uh, useful for us and for our community. So we thought we'd show you a couple pictures about what that actually looks like. About 10 days ago, some excavators showed up uh, and started tearing out our front sidewalk and stoop. Right? So that's where they began. Uh, and so we're going to put a front porch there. And then uh, a couple days later, after the Labor Day weekend, they came back and uh, by then, we had taken down some of the brick off of the back of our house. This is where the addition is going to go. And so uh, that's what it looked like uh, from the work we could do ourselves. Uh, and then some massive diggers showed up. And these guys were super impressive. From uh, Papa's company, you may have seen them around sometimes. I'm not sure how they got two massive machines in our backyard, but that's what it looked like for about a day. And I actually got to ride in the bucket down into the hole once. Don't tell OSHA. And don't tell her boss, but uh, I needed to go down and check something. So that's me uh, by that big machine. And that's about what it looks like right now. And I show you that to show you this, right? This is, um, it doesn't seem like much, but it's the uh, forms for the footings upon which the whole addition off the back of our house is going to be built, right? 
Now, you may also notice there's a black bucket there. And earlier this morning, I texted my next-door neighbor, and I said, Tony, do you mind just peeking in our hole and see, is it filled with water or is the pump working? Because I'm kind of hoping that during all this rain, we didn't get a pool in our basement, because that's not the plan, right? But um, so maybe along the way, as we go through the series, I'll show you some more updates on it. But we're not necessarily talking about home projects, although we can kind of make some connections there to what we're talking about. We're, we're focused on what does it mean for us as families and individuals to build our lives in the right way, to build a Christian home, whether that's uh, for a home that's uh, for a single person or a retiree, a, a widow or someone who's divorced, or whether it's a family, a blended family, a family with students or kids that have been adopted, whatever shape your family takes, here's what we want you to think about. Uh, God has a dream and a desire and a plan for you to flourish and to experience the fullness of his life and his blessing. And, and there are some clear biblical guidelines uh, and instructions for how you can do that. So we're going to take a look in this next series at six biblical guidelines for how you can build a Christian home. And those six guidelines, if I can get my remote to work properly, uh, start with laying a foundation. Uh, next weekend, we're going to talk about how critical, important it is to have healthy communication. And then Pastor Randy is going to bring the word on forgiveness and how we take out the trash and how uh, healing and cleansing that is for uh, all human relationships. And then we're going to close out the second half of the series talking about commitment, surviving storms, and then creating homes that are welcoming and uh, how God lives and works through them. Uh, but before we jump into our Bible reading for today, I'm just curious, how many of you are Harry Potter fans? Can I see a few shows? Okay. Uh, we have some Harry Potter fans. So you may know a thing or two about the author, J.K. Rowling. All right, Team Grinder is going to be going to Universal later this year, and they're going to go to uh, Harry Potter World. So I'm going to learn a thing or two, but I've seen the movies. So, uh, But what I didn't really know was uh, J.K. Rowling's life story before she started to write the books. Uh, in 2008, she delivered a commencement address, I think it was at Harvard University, where she told some of her story. And then a few years later, she turned it into a book. And uh, what she describes in the book uh, goes a little like this. This is from an article written around the release of it. She says, I think it's fair to say that by any conventional measure, a mere seven years after my graduation, I had failed on an epic scale. An exceptionally short-lived marriage had imploded, and I was jobless, a single parent, and about as poor as it was possible to be in modern Britain without being actually homeless. The fears that my parents had for me and that I had for myself had both come to pass, and by every usual standard, I was the biggest failure I knew. She went on to write, I, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that failure is fun. That period of my life is a dark one, and I had no idea that there was going to be what the press has since represented as a kind of fairy tale resolution. I had no idea then how far the tunnel extended, and for a time, a long time, any light at the end of it was more a hope than a reality. Now, after saying all that, um, she said this, rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. So you may not have known, J.K. Rowling was once a divorced, single mom, 
almost without any resources. All she had left for a hope and a dream was a typewriter and an idea in her mind. That became what we know of as Harry Potter and one of the best-selling books and series and movies uh, the world has ever seen. So uh, God took care of her and has provided, but she wasn't able to achieve that until she had gotten down to the very end of herself. Rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. Uh, Some of you in the room and some of you watching from home today can resonate with that thought of being at rock bottom. Whether it's from a broken relationship, a broken marriage, broken dreams, you found yourself at the end of yourself. And when you get down to that very low place, you realize that that you're helpless on your own and uh, hopeless when it comes to what you can muster up on your own and you need something and someone else to enter in to help you recover, rebuild, and grow. Now, uh, by God's grace, J.K. Rowling has ended up in a good place. The question for us would be, uh, if we get down to the end of ourselves and realize our helplessness on our own, how are we then to be able to build and grow? And if we haven't maybe gotten to rock bottom, but want to proactively build a healthy family and a healthy home, what are we to do about that? So for that, let me turn your attention to uh, that passage of Scripture. It's part of our memory verse for this whole series. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Can you read this out loud with me? For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Here's the thing we need to learn. If we're going to have any chance to have a full life in Christ, if we have any chance to experience the fullness of God's blessing, uh, we need to first realize that everything we have comes from and is built upon the grace, mercy, and love of God that we receive in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection in our place sets us free from our regrets, failures, and mistakes and gives us an opportunity to rebuild and to experience his wholeness and his mercy, right? There's no other foundation if we are to ever truly stand. And in fact, Jesus himself said much of the same thing. Allison did a great job reading this. Let's read this verse out loud together too. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, you may remember how the rest of it goes, is like a wise man who built his house in the rock, right? And then the rains came, the storms, the winds, the floods, whatever it was, and it stood firm. Whereas if you build your house on shifting sand... And I've learned that around here, we're blessed to have a bunch of clay uh, in the Chicagoland area. So they dug down deep in our backyard. It's nice and firm. It's not bedrock, but it's almost like it. It's this firm clay. It's this solid foundation. Jesus says, everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like that wise builder. So he invites us to listen to what he says, to watch what he does, and seek to imitate him. And in that way, build on the foundation that has already been laid. So to help you think about how am I practically going to do that, I've got five healthy habits that you could consider, maybe focusing on one of them or maybe two today, to continue to build on the foundation that Jesus has given you, uh, laying the right foundation and building upon it. So the first one is weekly worship. You may not realize this, but every week Jesus went to church. Okay, Take a look at this from Luke chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now, in Jesus' time, there was a temple in Jerusalem, 
where they would go on the high festival days. And if they lived in Jerusalem, they'd go there sometimes every single day. And so Jesus, when he was very young, his parents modeled this for him. They would take him to a Passover every year. They would take him probably to Shavuot, the festival of booths, maybe to Yom Kippur. And they were frequently, regularly in the temple. But they were also weekly in the local synagogue. The synagogue was like a smaller church gathering space in any community when there was at least 10 Jewish men, and they would gather around the Word of God to read it, hear it, hear about it, and celebrate it through song and dance. And so Jesus, as was his custom, made it a priority at least every week, if not more often, to be in community around God's Word. And, and ever since then until today, he invites us to do the same thing. So, for example, in Hebrews chapter 10, the author of the letter to the, he, the, to the Hebrews said this, Spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. All right, so shortly after the time of Jesus, what this tells us is there were some people who got distracted, um, didn't think it was as important, and for whatever other reason said, you know, I'm going to go to church when it's convenient, but maybe not uh, as committed as I once was. And, and the author of the letter to the Hebrews says, let's get back to what we know is God's best. Regular rhythms of gathering in community for worship, uh, for receiving the gifts of God through word and sacrament. That's essential to a solid foundation in following Jesus. We see Jesus do it. He invites us to imitate him. Now, to be honest, uh, the last couple of years have really disrupted that for most of us. We had to shift from being in person uh, all the time to at home and fully virtual to something in between. And for many of us, it's been hard to get back into a regular rhythm. I want to give a bunch of grace to all of us uh, for that transition, but also challenge and encourage and invite you to consider this healthy habit as one that maybe God is calling you to consider, saying, I'm going to lean into that a little bit more, okay? Uh, so going back to our list of healthy habits, here's another one, a daily Bible reading, right? Daily Bible reading. Uh, take a look at this verse from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says, you have been born again through the living and abiding word of God. If you've hung around St. Peter at all for a while, uh, you may have observed we love God's Word. We want to teach it to our children. We want to embrace it ourselves. One of our dreams would be to see everyone become voracious, hungry for the Word of God because we know that it is living and active, right? It is sharper than a two-edged sword, uh, Hebrews tells us, chapter 4, verse 12. Isaiah 55 tells us it always accomplishes the purpose for which God sends it, which means that when we encounter it with the expectation and trusting in the Spirit, it will challenge us or encourage or change us in some way. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday on the way up to church. Uh, some friends of mine uh, were hosting the chief curatorial officer of the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. I don't know if you realize there's a Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. It's absolutely fantastic. I've not had a chance to go, but a lot of our students have and a lot of my friends. And, and the chief curatorial officer is a friend of Pastor Randy and mine from our seminary days. He was one of our professors. Jeff Kloa is one of the smartest guys we know. And his job is to help people encounter God's living and active word in a unique way through museum. And what he said was, even during COVID, when regular worship numbers continued to decline in the Western world, especially in America, interest and openness to the Bible increased, but through different means than maybe we normally 
would have encountered it. And so uh, a museum is one of those different means. Uh, another one would be uh, through various Bible apps. Some of you may use uh, the Uversion Bible app. I have it here on my phone. It's the biggest uh, tile on my home screen. This morning I clicked on it after I made coffee uh, because it helps me uh, uh, wake up. Uh, and, and the theme for this, uh, the Bible verse for today is uh, from the Psalms, He Heals the Broken Heart. And there's a great little video connecting that to the fact that today's Patriot's Day, the anniversary of 9-11. And so if you don't have the Uversion Bible app, Google that. It's been downloaded by a half billion people across the country. And statistics have shown that since COVID, more people are using and reading God's Word in the Bible app than ever before. That's pretty cool. Now, what I do every morning is I start out by reading uh, the verse of the day, watch the video, and then as I have time, I also am reading through the Old Testament. Right now I'm in 2 Kings, learning about Elisha uh, and uh, some of his work as a prophet during the times of Israel and Judah. So if you have an opportunity to go deeper or join a Bible study or gather in community with others, that's awesome as well. But at the very least, uh, a small, simple dose of God's Word on a daily basis is incredibly powerful. Here's a third helpful habit, uh, frequent prayer. Notice this from Luke chapter 5. Crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now think about that. Jesus is fully God. He's entirely human, but he's fully God, and yet he still makes it a priority to take time to get away and speak to his heavenly Father. Even though he had access to all the power, all the knowledge, everything in the world, Jesus saw it as important to have regular conversations with his heavenly Father. And then he models and invites us to do the same thing. Maybe you've learned that it's a helpful thing for you to start out or end your day with some time in prayer. Maybe you have a quiet place in your home, or maybe you like to go for a walk. Maybe you do it on a bike ride, or like me, often on a run. Or maybe you do it during your commute or during your lunch break. Uh, here's the amazing thing. Jesus says, God is always available to you. He is never uh, unwilling to listen to you. Whatever is on your heart and in your mind, he wants to know about. And so he says, come to me, share with me what's on your heart and mind. Cast all your anxieties on me, God says, because I know and I care for you. Maybe for you, the way you want to build on the solid foundation is through God's word. We have a couple more we want to wrap up with here closely, serving together. Uh, we have a thing in September called Big Days of Serving at St. Peter. It's a simple, easy way for you and those you love to get your hands uh, on a serving opportunity in our local community. As much as we can, we love to do it out in the community to bless uh, the community. Uh, so that's one simple way that you could serve together. What we see in the life of Jesus is he washed his disciples' feet in the upper room. He took on the form of a servant and said, go and do the same thing right? Love and serve one another as I have loved and served you, and in this way you'll bring hope and life and healing to a world. One of the great ways you as a family or as a group of friends uh, can grow and build on that solemn foundation is by serving together. Another would be giving generously. Maybe you've learned uh, that God never fails to supply abundantly more than you could ask or imagine when you don't hold on to your stuff as if your hope and future depended on what you already have. Right? When God uh, teaches you to release what he has given you, to hold things with an open hand, you realize you never run out, you never run empty. And the God who is the most generous giver always supplies all that you need. Right? So maybe for you, uh, 
practicing giving generously to a local food pantry or, or a community organization or blessing neighbors or those who are homeless is what God is going to nudge and encourage you to do. But we're going to ask you to do today as I wrap up our message is pick one of these and you'll see these as here in practice questions a little bit later on. Um, pick one of these and say, which one am I good at? What am I strong in right now? And reflect on that. And, and what's one of them maybe that God is nudging you to focus in on, whether as an individual or a family? Those are our here in practice questions that we're going to invite you to talk about, reflect on during what we call upper room time, which is what we're going to move to uh, here next. 